Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews 11. So we slowly work through this great chapter on faith. We'll look today at verse 23. Last week we talked about matters of faith, important to those of us who are near the end of our lives. Today we're going to address matters of faith relevant, especially to young parents in the thick of the pressures of the day. In our journey through Faith's Hall of Fame here in Hebrews 11, we come this morning uh, on the example of Moses. Next to Abraham, Moses' faith is the lengthiest discussion in this chapter uh, that uh, flies by so many others with barely a mention. But it's uh, only appropriate that we hear about Moses, for the book of Hebrews was written to encourage Jewish believers. So Abraham was important. We heard the most about him, but he's the father of the Jewish nation. And then Moses was the lawgiver, the greatest prophet, and the mediator between Israel and Yahweh, the Lord. So if the writer of Hebrews would have his argument heard, he must demonstrate that it agrees with Moses. Now there's several parts of this section on Moses, and this morning we're only going to talk about the very first, very brief section, which isn't technically about Moses' faith, but about his parents. Let me just read it, verse 23. By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You probably know this story, though it doesn't tell us the whole story here. It's recorded in uh, Exodus chapter 2. Though Joseph had uh, come to great power in Egypt... A new pharaoh rose eventually who did not know, did not remember anything about Joseph. And because the sons of Israel were becoming so numerous, Pharaoh viewed them as a threat and began to treat them as slaves. The, Egyptian made, the Egyptians made life increasingly, increasingly miserable for them until finally Pharaoh ordered that all the male Hebrew babies be killed. This order was first given to midwives, but that didn't fix the problem. So later the order was given to all the Hebrew people that they must throw their boy babies into the river. In the midst of those terrible times, a man from the tribe of Levi named Amram and his wife named Jochebed had a son. This was the third son, the third child. They had a daughter named Miriam. And then they had another son named Aaron, who was apparently born before this terrible edict. But when they saw this new son, they perceived that he was special. The word used to describe him could be translated simply beautiful or fair, but it seems to apply something that they perceive beyond good looks. That's all we're told. So Amram and Jochebed decided to defy Pharaoh's edict and keep their son. At first, they kept, simply kept him at home. But when it became difficult to hide him anymore, they put him in a basket in the river and set his older sister Miriam, as uh, 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 posted her as a watch nearby. Well, you probably know this story. This was one of my kids' favorite stories when they were little. We read it many, many, many times. Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the river, and she came upon this little basket and found that inside was a baby. She had pity on him and wanted to keep him, you know, kind of take him home kind of thing. And a quick-thinking older sister Miriam 
uh, stepped up to offer to find a Hebrew woman to nurse this baby and retrieve Moses' own mother. And so Moses grew up as royalty, adopted as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now it's easy to say, well, Amram and Jochebed just uh, they had a baby and they loved their baby like everyone loves their baby. Thought he was a beautiful child and they just said, we're not going to obey the law. That's it. That's certainly understandable. You, you and I might do the same thing. But that's not exactly what our text says. Here we read that by faith, they hid him and were not afraid. So in what sense was this an exercise of faith? Well, we're not told very much. So we have to figure it out a little bit. May I suggest that Moses' parents, of necessity, had a pretty simple uninformed faith. Think about it. The law had not been given. They had no scriptures in their hands. They had only the oral traditions that had been passed down to them, the accounts of the creation and the flood and the covenant that God made with Abraham and the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and more recently their Joseph, who was by this time their great-great-grandfather probably. And even this oral record was over 400 years old, preserved by Hebrew slaves for all those generations as they taught it to their children. And so as we study this passage, we can't simply look at the scriptures and say, we're going to find out, we're going to reconstruct what they were thinking. They didn't have the scriptures. But you know, sometimes even simple faith can be profound in ways that we might not expect. And since faith is a gift of God, sometimes he gives us faith to believe and trust him way beyond what we could reasonably explain. And that's what I think happened here. So it's appropriate for us to compare this text and their faith with the rest of Scripture, not to know what they were thinking, but in order to see why their faith made sense how the faith that God gave them proved to be consistent with all that God would eventually reveal, though they did not understand what we are now privileged to know. And what we learn as we compare this with the rest of the scripture is this one great theme, that faith trusts God's ways over man's ways. That's kind of our theme this morning. Faith trusts God's ways over man's ways. But rather than just leave it at that, that summarizes the whole thing, but rather than just leave it at that, there, there are some specifics that we can uh, look at and uh, uh, try to see uh, what really that looks like as it's applied and kind of why that kind of faith would lead them to this act of civil disobedience concerning their son. So I actually have three points that are kind of breakouts of that theme. The first is this. God's authority overrules man's laws. Faith understands that God's authority overrules man's laws. You know, we live in such comfort. We seldom face the question of whether we will obey God or the law of the land. 
That's a very pressing issue in many parts of the church around the world today, and it has been a pressing issue throughout church history. And that was the issue that uh, Amram and Jochebed faced, though they had very little information with which to make that decision. For the law had not yet been given. The history of God's people had not been written down. Much of it hadn't even been lived out yet. So they didn't know, like we know, about Daniel and the and, and, and his friends who defied the king's order wouldn't eat the king's meat when they were carted off to Babylon. They didn't know that. They didn't know about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who refused to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, saying, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Oh, that was a great example that would teach us, but they didn't know that yet. It hadn't happened. Moses' parents didn't know about Peter and John. That was way in the distant future when they were commanded not to preach Christ. And they said to the leaders, you judge for yourselves whether it's right uh, in God's sight to obey you rather than God. There's so much we know that they had no way of knowing, for it hadn't happened yet. But Amram and Jochebed did know something. They knew about God the Creator, and they knew about God's covenant with his people. They understood that the Creator had told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And they understood that God's covenant promise to Abraham was to make his descendants as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And Pharaoh's murderous edict flew in the face of both of those truths that we know they would have known. The creation and the covenant. By faith... Amram and Jochebed understood that God's authority overrules man's laws. And so they obeyed God and they disobeyed Pharaoh. Now let me just offer a word of caution for us as we think that we face this and we may face this. Our sinful flesh never wants to have somebody tell us what to do. Have you noticed that? Since little kids, it's always the way it is. We don't want somebody telling us what to do. And so sometimes Christians have refused to obey the law, motivated by a fleshly, self-centered, defiant insubordination, baptizing it and calling it a matter of conscience. But we need to remember God created all authority, included, including that of governments, Romans 13, the Spirit tells us that governments are the servants of God. Indeed, we are bound by Christ to obey the law. Indeed, we obey laws we don't like as an act of obedience to the Lord. Still, we can never forget who is the ultimate sovereign. And if and when the state dares to require people to disobey God... We are bound by God's authority to respectfully refuse. No, I won't. That's what faith looks like in such situations. Faith trusts God's ways 
over men's ways. Specifically, faith understands that God's authority trumps man's laws. Then as we unpack this example of faith, there's a second truth. God's promises hold more hope than man's plans. God's promises hold more hope than man's plans. We've just uh, been through two national political conventions. We've heard uh, quite a lot about big agendas for society. Well, Pharaoh had big plans for Egyptian society, too. But he uh, figured that you can't build a viable society with a large portion of it growing up with different set of values and different loyalties as a whole different people. And that's something the government still struggle with. So the French uh, have outlawed uh, Muslim women from wearing certain head coverings. You can't have that division going on. You can't have that different view of women going on in French society. Many people in the U.S. have pressed for English to be the mandatory language. You can't have people speaking a different language and think we're going to be one uh, uh, whole. So that's what's happening in Egypt with the Hebrews. Pharaoh was determined not to lose his country to a growing minority. And in light of his vision for Egypt, this particular policy that he outlined made political sense. He realized that this minority group must be reduced and integrated into the Egyptian world. And what better way to do this than to just get rid of all the baby boys? The girls then would have to marry Egyptians, and the problem would be solved in one generation. But Moses' parents did not put their faith in Pharaoh's great agenda for Egypt. Their faith was in the promise of God to make of his people, Israel, a great people, a great nation. And by faith, they understood that God's promises hold more hope than man's plans, even Pharaoh's plans. So they believed the promises of God and ignored the plans of Pharaoh. Folks, today... The social engineers of our society have great vision, great agenda for us. They would change the whole definition of marriage. They would radically transform the relationship between parents and children, limiting parental rights, giving children rights against their parents that have never been heard of. They would impose the state into family affairs in unprecedented ways. Because there's, a, there's an agenda. But that's quite different from God's agenda for our families. And the hope for the future does not lie in the building of great secular American society. The hope for the, the world is in Christ's new society, the kingdom under his lordship. So God has commanded us to bring our children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord, for that is where the promise lies for the future, indeed for all eternity. And so this morning I challenge you, parents and grandparents, what is your hope for your children? Which side of this cultural divide are you on? 
Possessing the great American dream is not a lofty enough goal for our covenant children. We must understand that God's promises hold more hope for society than man's plans. And if you believe that, then the training of your children must reflect it. Finally, there's a third expression of this theme, that faith trusts God's ways over man's ways. That third thing is that God's care protects against man's threats. God's care protects against man's threats. Faith believes that, understands that. Every once in a while I hear someone say, I just wouldn't want to bring children into a world like this. Imagine how easy it would have been for Moses' parents to think that way. Their world was not a place for a Hebrew baby to be born, especially not a baby boy. Even if he survived for a while, his life would be certain to be miserable. Wouldn't they be doing Moses a favor by just following the king's edict and throwing him in the river rather than letting him die a thousand deaths as he lived out a life as a slave? But you see, their faith was not in the situation, but in the sovereign Lord into whose care they entrusted themselves and their son. There's no way they could have foreseen how this would play out. They simply had to trust God's care. By faith they understood God could protect against man's threats. And dear people, this is a place we need to guard our hearts as well. Once we let ourselves be driven by the situation, rather than by God's truth, we've adopted a law of expediency. What is right becomes whatever seems to be advantageous in our situation. That's the reasoning that accounts for most abortions. The law of expediency, which says, well, this isn't really what I wanted, but it's the best way out given the situation. Or, well, it may be wrong, but, you know, it would be even worse to have an unwanted child, a child without a father, a child disrupting my life so much, etc., etc., etc. All of that is the law of, of expediency, which sees only the situation and doesn't see God. But that very thinking is what Moses' parents refused to be caught in. The text specifically says they were not afraid of the king's edict. They did not buckle in the midst of the situation. That faith which God gave them was consistent with all the scriptures in which God repeatedly tells us not to be afraid of man's threats. Let me read you some passages from Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanders pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me with their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Or Psalm 118, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust 
in man. Or in, Psalm, or in Hebrews 13, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? Or as Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? And sure enough, God proved able to take care of Moses. He grew up in Pharaoh's own home with his own mother as his nurse when he was little, and then with his older learning both the wisdom of the Egyptians as he had learned from his mother the certainty of the promises of God. God cared about Moses in spite of Pharaoh's threats. And folks, that same God is able to take care of the children he gives to you. Our faith is not in the situation. Indeed, there's something wrong with every situation. And sometimes it's frightening. But God is still on the throne, so trust him. Faith understands that God's care protects against man's threats. So there's one great theme today. Faith trusts God's ways over man's ways. Specifically, faith believes God's authority overrules man's laws. Faith believes God's promises hold more hope for society than man's plans. Faith believes God's care protects against man's threat. In short, faith fears God more than it fears men. I love the way Martin Luther put that in his famous hymn. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Amen. Let's pray.